Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So in the very near future, America is going to have to answer this question. Should Donald Trump be prosecuted for his crimes. Let's talk about that. Because the future health and vitality of the rule of law, like justice, matters. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Justice Matters. First and foremost, um, this is going to be a casual podcast. As you can see, I didn't have it in me to put on my jacket and my collared shirt, so we're going to go with casual Sunday here. I hope that's okay. Um, And then if you watch my daily YouTube videos or you follow me on Twitter, you know that what I try to do, best I can, is take my 30 years as a federal prosecutor, first as an Army JAG in the 80s, prosecuting court-martial cases, and then for nearly a quarter of a century with the Department of Justice, specifically the United States Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia. I try to take that experience, what I learned from being inside the federal government prosecuting cases for three decades, and I try to use it. I try to put it to good use, right? Identifying legal issues of the day, Put them, putting them in the larger context, and then trying to talk about proposed solutions. Where in the world do we go from here as a government, as a people, as a country? And so I very much appreciate that you have been coming along for the ride with me. Um, I have, we have a lot of people on Team Twitter, Glenn Kirshner, at Glenn Kirshner 2. I'm on there all day and night trying to answer your legal questions. We have uh, lots of people uh, that follow the the YouTube channel, and I greatly appreciate that. And then if you want to become a more formal supporter of our all-volunteer effort and our content here, you can go over to patreon.com, where we have built Team Justice, and Team Justice is fierce, Team Justice is strong, and you can go to patreon.com and become a, a patron, a Team Justice member. And if you choose to do that, um, I will send you a couple Team Justice stickers and a personal handwritten note of thanks. So with that housekeeping out of the way, um, let's talk about the question of what in the world does America do with Donald Trump as soon as he is no longer president of the United States? Should Donald Trump and his criminal associates be prosecuted. There's been more and more talk about that recently, and I think we're going to be having some robust discussions and debates on that topic in the weeks and the months to come. But um, there was a big article in the New York Times uh, written by a gentleman named Jonathan Mailer, and I want to use that as a jumping off point for today's discussion. Here's the headline. 
Can America restore the rule of law without prosecuting Trump? And as I was reading through it, there was one paragraph that sort of um, distilled the, the topic that I want to try to tackle today. And it reads as follows. The stakes of prosecuting Donald Trump may be high, but so are the costs of not prosecuting him, which would send a dangerous message, one that transcends even the presidency, about the country's commitment to the rule of law. Trump has presented Biden and America, really, with a very difficult dilemma. And then the author, Jonathan Mailer, quotes a former attorney general of New Jersey as saying, This whole presidency has been about someone who thought he was above the law. Ann Milgram, the former attorney general of New Jersey, told me, quote, If he isn't held accountable for possible crimes, then he literally was above the law. So what I want to try to do in just a few minutes today is break down to its essence the issue involved in the question of whether Donald Trump should be prosecuted. Now, if you've been watching any of my daily videos, um, you probably know, and you know, maybe because I'm a former 30-year prosecutor, you might glean that I believe Donald Trump and his criminal associates should be held accountable for their crimes. They should be investigated in the grand jury, aggressively, um, ethically, honestly, fairly, apolitically, and then if the evidence supports charging Donald Trump or any of his many criminal associates, his enablers, his aiders and abettors, his co-conspirators, his accessories after the fact, they should be charged and, and tried, prosecuted. Um, but not everyone agrees with that. So I want to try to break this down to this question down to its simplest component part. And I would ask you to assume for purposes of this discussion that Donald Trump broke the law. <clears throat> All right, we'll edit that part out. No, no, we won't. Um, Let's assume that Donald Trump broke the law, okay? We don't have to decide whether the law we're going to discuss was his violation of campaign finance laws together with Michael Cohen or the conspiracy that he was part of with Michael Cohen, right, to pay off playmates and porn stars to bury sharply, in, you know, damaging information from the American voters in the run-up to the election, we don't need to decide if that's the crime we're talking about or if we're talking about his crime of soliciting a bribe from President Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, um, or the conspiracy he may have been in with Bill Barr and Mike Pompeo and Mick Mulvaney, who said we do it all the time, get over it, uh, or others. We don't have to decide whether that's the crime we're going to focus on for purposes of this discussion. We don't have to decide whether it's obstructing congressional inquiries by telling all of your executive branch officials to wrongfully refuse to comply with lawfully issued congressional subpoenas. We don't have to decide if that's the crime we want to focus on for 
purposes of this discussion. We don't have to decide if it's witness tampering of Ambassador Marie Ivanovich or if it's tax evasion or if it's bank fraud or if it's any of the crimes associated with putting children in cages or if it is the tens of thousands of needless coronavirus deaths because he lied to the American people. We don't have to decide which crime we're talking about. Let's just assume for purposes of this discussion, Donald Trump committed a crime. I want to talk about two of the most basic provisions in the U.S. federal code, right? This big, ugly blue book of federal crimes and procedure. And what I want to talk about specifically is in chapter or title 18. Okay, title 18 is the one involving crimes and criminal procedure. And I want to talk about two of the first sections in title 18 of the United States Criminal Code. And I think actually section one was repealed, so the first actual section is section two. And it's titled Principles. All right, think of principles as the people who commit the crimes. Principles are like perpetrators. They're the ones who commit the criminal offenses. Principles, that's what they're called. And here is how the section, 18 United States Code Section 2 on principles, what a principle is, here's how it reads. Very short. Whoever commits an offense against the United States or aids, abets, counsels, commands, induces, or procures its commission is punishable as a principle. So all of those folks who are part of committing a crime are called principles. Perpetrators is like a a more commonly used term, right? Whoever commits an offense against the United States or whoever aids, abets, counsels, commands, induces, or procures an offense against the United States is a principle, is a perpetrator. And then the next section, section three, is the one I want to focus on. And it's accessory after the fact. And it's also very short, and here's how it reads. Whoever, knowing that an offense against the United States has been committed by someone else. I'm editorializing a little bit there, but whoever knowing an offense against the United States is committed by someone else, does the following things to help that person get away with it. Receives, relieves, comforts, or assists the offender in order to hinder or prevent his apprehension, trial, or punishment is an accessory after the fact. So the principal, the perpetrator, is the one who commits the crime or aids and abets and counsels, commands, induces, or procures the commission of the crime. And then there's this other pot of people, this other group of people who are also criminally responsible because even though they didn't commit the crime, they're not a principal, they're not a perpetrator, what did they do? They helped the person who committed the crime get away with the crime. Therefore, 
They are accessories after the fact because they help the principal get away with the crime. And as an accessory after the fact, if you know somebody committed a crime against the United States, a federal offense, and you receive, relieve, comfort, or assist them in order to hinder or prevent their apprehension, trial, or punishment, you're an accessory after the fact. And the law has determined that even though you didn't commit the crime, you are worthy of being held accountable, being punished, for helping the person who committed the crime if you assist the person in kind of getting away with it, not being held responsible for it, right? So with that basic principle in mind, let's talk about what might happen when Donald Trump leaves office. So if the folks who come into power beginning on January 20th are looking at what Donald Trump and his criminal associates have done, the crimes they committed. And remember, we're going to assume for purposes of this chat that Donald Trump committed a crime. If the people who come into power after Donald Trump and his you know, criminal cabal leave office and those people say, you know what? We're not going to hold Donald Trump and company accountable for their crimes. We're not going to do it. We'll talk about why they might reach that conclusion in a minute. But they say, you know what? We know Donald Trump committed crimes against the United States, but we're going to let him get away with it. We're going to assist him in getting away with it. We're going to give him some aid, some comfort to prevent his apprehension, his trial, or his punishment for the crimes he committed. You see where I'm going with this. Doesn't that feel like the people who are in the positions of power in government who have the ability, I would suggest the responsibility, to hold people accountable who have committed crimes against the United States, it kind of has the feel like they are what's being described in section three. They're accessories after the fact because they're letting the criminals, the principals, get away with the crimes against the United States. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that the people who come into power beginning on January 20th are, you know, should be prosecuted under Section 3 as accessories after the fact if they make the political decision we're not going to hold the principals accountable, we're not going to hold Donald Trump accountable. But what I am suggesting is these two sections that we've been discussing, Section 2, the principals, the people who did the crime, and Section 3, the accessories after the fact who helped the principals get away with the crime, decided not to hold them accountable, those principles in our law, in our criminal justice system, in the fabric of our country and what we're all about, right, a country of laws, um, make moral judgments. In a perfect world, 
the laws should represent the sort of moral judgment of the people as enacted through their duly elected legislators. I know, just bear with me that, you know, in some version of American governance, it all works the way it's supposed to work and hopefully will begin to work again come January. But, you know, these are moral calculations that we as a country have made, that a principal, a perpetrator, the, the person that commits the crime is guilty, should be held accountable, and the accessory after the fact who helps that person get away with the crime should be held accountable. So what would it say about those moral underpinnings that the batch of people over here who made the decision not to hold the batch of people over here, the ones who committed the crimes against the United States, the principals, not hold them accountable? Well, doesn't that at a minimum violate or offend the spirit of what we have enacted as the laws that are supposed to govern our country, right? Again, I, I understand that if the people who come into power in January make the political determination that we need to take all these principals who committed crimes against the United States and her people and the immigrants who came here yearning to breathe free only to be thrown into cages and have their children thrown into other cages forever separated from their families, we're going to give them all a pass because we're making the political calculation, even though they're principals, that we need to heal. We need to turn the other cheek. We need to take the high road. We need to let bygones be bygones. We need to put this long, distasteful national nightmare behind us by declining to hold the principles accountable for their crimes. That will be a political calculation, and I don't suggest that means we need to prosecute this batch of people for being accessories after the fact. But I am suggesting that there is a pretty strong argument that if this batch of people decide to give the perpetrators, the principals, a pass, a walk, decline to hold them accountable, then they really will be running afoul of the underlying reason, the underlying purpose for our law to try to hold accessories after the fact accountable. And that will be a bad thing times two. It'll be a bad thing because the principals, the perpetrators haven't been held accountable, Donald Trump and his criminal cabal. And it will be a bad thing because the people in power have now helped them get away with it. Even if for benign reasons, even if in a misguided sense of healing, because there's no healing without accountability for the crimes that have been committed against the United States and her people. I've said it before, in my 30 years as a prosecutor, I dealt with more victims than I can count, and in homicide cases, victims' families. And I never told a single one, not a single one, that the way we heal the way we put your victimization behind you, the way you get to move forward in your life is if we make the decision as prosecutors and as government officials to decline 
to hold your attacker accountable. That's how we heal. That's how you heal. That's the opposite of justice. That's the very definition of injustice. And that's what we need to, that's what we need to prevent moving forward. Compounding the injustice that Trump and company have perpetrated against the country and her people by declining to hold them accountable for it. That will be compounding the injustice and the victimization that we have all suffered. We don't like to think of ourselves as victims, the American people, but when crimes are committed against the United States, crimes that violate the laws set out in this code book, those are crimes in a very real sense against the American people, against the United States of America. If they weren't, they wouldn't be in this big, ugly, blue code book. They would be in a state criminal code book. We need to stop the injustice. We need to stop the criminality in our government. And we need to do the hard work of holding them accountable. And the way we hold them accountable, I've said it before, is by opening a grand jury investigation on January 20th at 12.01 p.m. after Joe Biden, thank goodness, is sworn in as President of the United States and Kamala Harris is sworn in as Vice President of the United States and we begin pursuing justice. And we present all of the evidence to a grand jury, fully, fairly, aggressively, honorably, ethically, and apolitically. And then we let the grand jury, as the conscience of the community, be our guide in what charges we believe are supported by the evidence against Donald Trump and his criminal aiders and abettors, co-conspirators and associates, and accessories after the fact. It's coming, folks. I think we've learned our lesson. I think we've learned that we can't decline to hold people accountable. We can't turn our heads the other way and expect things to get better. We can't decline our way out of bad government or governance. It's time for accountability. It's time for justice. And yes, justice matters. At this moment in time, there is little that matters more. As always, folks, thank you for um, tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your feedback and your comments, including your constructive criticism, because that helps me learn and fine-tune and revisit and rethink, because I'm not always right. Um, but I very much appreciate um, your support and your interest in these ongoing daily discussions. And I very much look forward to talking with you again tomorrow.